Noble Dairy Queen's new summer blizzard menu is back and it is stacked. Dive right into the summer celebration with their new peanut butter cookie dough party blizzard. You can sink your red spoon into their world famous DQ soft serve filled with delicious chunks of chocolate chip cookie dough, swirls of creamy peanut butter topping and peanut brittle crunch with sprinkles. If the peanut buttery flavor isn't your jam, their fresh take on cobbler a la mode certainly will. Say hello to the Picnic Peach Cobbler Blizzard. You can also let your taste buds crumble with the ultimate cookie blizzard that features Oreo, Chips Ahoy, and Nutter Butter pieces. Dairy Queen knows everyone loves a good comeback, and fan-favorite blizzard flavors Frosted Animal Cookie, Brownie Batter, and Cotton Candy have made their triumphant return. Summer Blizzard flavors are now available at your Noble Dairy Queen stores with locations in Kankakee, Bourbonnet, Moments, and Mantino. Happy tastes good. Kankakee Podcast is proudly presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses, celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. Learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Also, you have until the end of this month, March 30th, to take advantage of Pewter Pros refurbished desktop and laptop sale. $50 off any refurbished laptop or desktop desktop in-store. So go see Pewter Pros today on Industrial Drive in Bradley before the month is over. Thankful for stories Hold on to the lifetime we won't get back I know these rivers carry Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and before we get to today's episode, let's find out about some events that are happening in the area coming up here soon. First and foremost, there's an Easter egg hunt happening this Sunday, April 1st, for kids with special needs at Northfield Square Mall in the food court. It starts at 10 a.m. Sweet Darren's and Lava Latte is also going to be there selling sweet treats and drinks. There are two informational forums coming up to learn more about the proposed quarter of a cent sales tax referendum for mental health in Kankakee County. The first one is tomorrow, Tuesday, March 28th at the Limestone Public Library at 630. The second is at the Leo Hassett Community Center on Main Street in Mantino this Friday, March 31st from 530 to 630 p.m. 
You can follow the Kankakee County for Mental Health Facebook page for more details. This is about the referendum that all Kankakee County residents can vote on coming up on April 4th. And lastly, the Kankakee Community College Foundation is presenting the Magic of Giving fundraiser on Thursday, April 13th at 5 p.m. at the Quality Inn in Bradley. You can buy your tickets at foundation.kcc.edu under the Events tab. If you would like your community event to be mentioned here on Kankakee Podcast, email it to LamoreMedia, LLC, at gmail.com for consideration. Now let's get to our guest. Today is a, another episode with the Kankakee County Museum. We have Veronica Featherston, the executive director with us, who hasn't been on the podcast in a while. So welcome back, Veronica. Thank you. Happy Yay. to be here. <laughs> and we have someone who is currently studying to be a geologist, Abigail Davis. Yep. Right? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. It's Thank so you. great to have you here. Now, if you follow the Kankakee County Museum, you know that Abigail has done two presentations at the Kankakee County Museum on geology and specifically Kankakee geology. Mm-hmm. So maybe you had the pleasure of seeing Abigail at one of those events, maybe not, or maybe this is going to be a refresher course for you. But regardless, that's what we're going to be talking about today is the geology of Kankakee. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you, about Abigail. Me? Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> just... How you said before we were recording, you want to be a geologist since you were five. Yeah, I mean, since I was five. <laughs> that's so cool. Are you born and originally from the area? Well, my parents, I grew up in a military child, so I lived everywhere. But my parents are from Bolingbrook. So when my dad retired, he moved to Bonfield. And we've been there ever since. So it's been like six years now. That is such a big change, Bolingbrook to Bonfield. That. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I lived everywhere. I even lived across the seas in Germany twice. So it's not like that big of a difference. (laughs) That's so cool. Well, I mean, I guess I just think of how busy Bolingbroke is compared to Bonfield. It's it's like night and day comparison. We like the quiet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you you went to the right place. Bonfield is very quiet. It's a very, very nice little town. So you are in your junior year Mm -hmm. at North Carolina Central University. Okay. So when you graduate, you will officially be a geologist or what (laughs) will your, what is your official degree? So I'll have a bachelor's of science and geosciences. Okay. But I want to be a hydrogeologist, which is a geologist that studies groundwater, trying to find uh, renewable resources for our drinking water. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's perfect that I've got, got the liquid death there yeah, for you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, first, let's just briefly, what is geology? So, geology is the study of earth sciences, which is rocks and minerals in the ground and on top of the ground and the processes of how they're formed and transform into other minerals and rocks. And how does that happen? How does, how does well, all those, <laughs> I could go into question. that for hours. <laughs> so first, so you have sediment, which is like basically dirt and sand and gravel or whatnot. And when that sediment 
compacts and it gets laid down for millions of years. It becomes sedimentary rocks, which is what we have around here. A lot of limestone. We have nothing but limestone around here. <laughs> yes. So that's how sedimentary rocks are formed. And then the sedimentary rocks, once they erode, they be- can become metamorphic rocks through heat and pressure, which is like granite and nice it's it's a rock that looks like it has a million folds in it, and they call it nice. <laughs> yeah, it's called nice. <laughs> Is that was that named after someone, or did someone literally just look at it and they're like, oh, well, that's nice? It's spelled G N E I S S. So you wouldn't think it's pronounced nice, but no. it's it's from Scotland. So I mean, I guess they speak differently. <laughs> they do a little bit, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And then, so of course, volcanoes create rocks, and those rocks are called igneous rocks. So you could have extrusive igneous rocks or intrusive igneous rocks. Extrusive igneous rocks you can see like outside of the volcano through the lava. But when magma inside of the volcano hardens, that becomes an intrusive igneous rock. So that's how those kind of rocks are formed. And obviously we don't see those around oh, here. Not, no. where, where is like granite? Rock. Well, actually, limestone, once it becomes metamorphized with heat and pressure, it becomes marble. So we could see metamorphic marble. But um, there are some granite pieces around our our state because <laughs> we had rhyolitic uh, sedimentary stone. And that once that had heat and pressure, that becomes granite. So that's in southern Illinois, though. Okay. So I guess, yeah, let's get into the thick of getting into geology, though, locally. What is what does our geology look like? Obviously, you briefly mentioned limestone, but how can you tell where all of this comes from? So limestone is formed from precipitated water secreted by using marine organisms, including algae and coral, with cemented sand and mud. So basically, marine organisms, they secrete calcium carbonate. And when this calcium carbonate goes into the sediment and it becomes compacted into the dirt and mud, it becomes limestone, which is made purely out of calcium carbonate. And then once calcium carbonate has an impurity of magnesium, it becomes a different stone called dolomite, which is what we also have an abundance of around here. So you're telling me it comes from like fish yes. and things like that, like <laughs> yeah. their their waste creates this rock. Basically, yeah. So millions of years ago during, I believe it was the Cenozoic era, but let me triple check real quick. So it was during the Paleozoic era, actually, we were under the sea. So that was 1 to 1.5 million years ago, billion years ago, actually. And you can tell that just by studying... The, the rock here in Kankakee County. Yeah. You can tell that, oh, we were underwater for millions, a, of, millions years. of years. And <laughs> yeah. then, then what happened? How did, do you know, well, I suppose it doesn't tell you when we were came not out, in, of, came the out of the water. Yeah. yeah so um, we have the Rocky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains. And when those were forming, they started to cause a rift, which is what brought us below sea level. But once it stopped, the plate tectonics stopped moving, our elevation increased. And this is when we came out of the sea and the seas receded. And then our land was just nothing but a bunch of sand. So when that sand became compacted, that's when it became limestone. So, yeah. But we did have dinosaurs here at one point. Okay. Do you know, Does can studying the rocks or the, the dirt, sand, tell you what kind, perhaps? 
what kind of animals? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so there's actually a bunch of fossils. There's a lot of coral fossils around here and trilobites and worm burrows. So you can tell that there was those kind of organisms back in the Paleozoic era around here because we have millions of those fossils. My mom found a trilobite in her backyard, actually. What, what is that? <laughs> it's that little bug-looking stone. I should have brought it with me, but um, it, it looks kind of like a horseshoe crab, but it has ribs. It's basically what it looks like. <laughs> wow. So it sounds like it's a jacked, jacked up. Yeah, jacked up version. little bug. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen any other interesting fossils like that? Yeah, I actually found one day I was kayaking in the Kankakee River and I looked down on, at the sandbar and I found a fossil of reeds from like coral reeds. Um, what's the word? Grass reeds, I guess you could say. Yeah, grass oh. reeds. It was just completely fossilized, and I thought that was just amazing to just look down and find a fossil like that. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. What other animals besides—do you know specifically what types of dinosaurs? No, because—so there's no dinosaur bones found in Illinois because of wind erosion that happened after the Paleozoic era. So our wind was—we have really bad wind now, but back then it was like— a million times Hurricane Katrina force winds. So that caused a lot of wind erosion and that ate away at the fossils of the dinosaurs. So there's none exposed here in Illinois, but we know that they were here at one point because the states around us have found dinosaur fossils. Mm -hmm. And what, so going from there then, uh, knowing that dinosaurs were once here, then where does that take us? So after that would have been the Mesozoic era. After the Mesozoic era was the Cenozoic era. And that's when glaciers first appeared, uh, the beginning of the last ice age, which we're still in. We're still in an ice age. Did not know. That. <laughs> did you know that, Veronica? I did, but I think only from listening to her. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea we were still in an ice age. Yeah, as long as there's glaciers here on Earth, you're technically still in an ice age. I am going to tote that around everywhere and, and show that piece of information off and look smart now and be like, you know, we're still in an ice age. <laughs> People will be like, we are? I'm like, yes. What What is the ice age then? Tell us. So the Ice Age, it began after the extinction of the dinosaurs. And this is when the Paleo-Indians first began to inhabit the area. And glaciers advanced and retreated periodically over the state. So right now, we would have been underneath a glacier. So these glaciers are kind of like tides. They form more in the winter and they recede in the summer as they melt. And when they do this, it's kind of like pushing something up against a tablecloth, you know how it kind of gets those bumps and those folds? Those are what's called moraines in the dirt. So these moraines held back the glacial meltwater from the receding glaciers. And once this actually happened, a piece of glacier broke off, and that's what formed the Kankakee Torrent. So the Kankakee Torrent is what formed our area today and actually made it as leveled and formed the Kankakee River and the Kankakee Valley. So Kankakee Torrent was, it was water like tsunami-sized water, 180 feet tall. It was ginormous, and it just flooded the area and created a swamp-like base. And actually, the early settlers that came to Kankakee, they had to, they had to dredge out the river because they couldn't get goods across the swamps. So when they dredged out the river, the Kankakee River was able to flow more freely and went out into the Illinois River. So without the Kankakee Torrent, we wouldn't have the Illinois River Basin. And when so I'm just picturing in my mind now when some of the early settlers did come, 
the river was much more shallow. Yes, than... it was much more shallow, but it was vast. It was a 250-mile course along northwestern Indiana and northeastern Illinois. And I know that that kind of goes into the, the Grand Marsh. Right. Yes, and, the, the Grand Kankakee Marsh. Yeah. That's what they dredged out to get goods across. And that's what was able to let the Kankakee River flow more freely. Mm-hmm. So in order to to dredge out, is that how they were able to drain like the, the swamps in the area? Did all the water, did they lead all the water to like the main river stream? Basically, is that yeah. how they did that? But since our area is vast with limestone, it's a very durable stone. So they had to physically blast through it with dynamite in order to get it through the barrier and flow into the Kankakee River. See, I always wondered how they did that Mm -hmm. back in that time because I'm like, they didn't have tractors. What did (laughs) they do to to get through the... You know, the yeah, the stone and everything. Yeah, like they that. used dredging machine on the back of it, like a wooden metal machine and would dredge out the the ground. But yeah. they had to use actual dynamite to blast through the limestone. <laughs> Man, that's insane. So going from there then, what comes next? So basically after that, we just formed what we have now. So after the Kankakee Torrent, we had that 250-mile radius of nothing but swamp waters for millions of years. So all of that swamp water, it'll eventually become coal because coal is an organic material. So it's an organic mineral that is formed from decomposed animals and livestock. Okay. Or not livestock, plants. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I meant plants. This is completely, well, not completely off topic, but how does a, a, a geode get formed. And there's a lot of those in the area, right? Am I saying that right? Is it geode? Geode, yeah. yeah. But we don't have that many around here. It's formed from uh, percolating water. So it's basically the same way that caves are formed, except there's an excess of mineral impurities and it crystallizes on the inside of the geode. Okay. I've always wondered how those were, they're made, you know. But really, <laughs> yeah. so, because I've, I've cracked open rocks as a kid and I've seen, you know, it's been a geode inside or sometimes there's Maybe it's not a geode, but it's... Um, an agate? Maybe. Is it pretty on the inside? Yeah, It's yeah. probably an agate. <laughs> okay. And so we have a lot of those. Yes, we have right. a lot of agates, also known as chalcedony. Okay. Yeah. So what else have we learned about our area just from studying the rocks and the, the dirt and everything? So at the Kankakee River State Park, we have Rock Creek Gorge, which is actually a very fascinating creek. It has one of the only Silurian Age caves found in the state, a Horse Thief Cave. It's that really big cave underneath the bridge from 102. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Yep. So that is one of the only caves of Silurian Age rock in our state. And what is Silurian Age? So a Silurian Age is from the the epoch of Pile- Wait, let me see. <laughs> Silurian, yes. So it's the Paleozoic epoch. So that is 443 billion years old. Million oh years old. Wow. Yeah. Children are naturally drawn to art and the creative process. For them, it can be a form of expression as they explore the materials, gain confidence, and feel a sense of competency as they create something based on their own ideas and efforts. That's why Little Me's studio in Bourbon A created the Big Kids Art Lab for ages 5 to 12. Little Me's studio crafted this safe space for your big kid to slow down, be in the moment, and be comfortable making messes while trying something new. Big Kids Art Lab meets every Thursday from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Little Me Studio across the street from Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbonnais. 
Studies indicate that art making has so many positive effects for the brain, body, mind, and heart. Enroll in one class at littlemestudio.com or sign up for the entire session and save. littlemestudio.com to sign up for Big Kids Art Lab. Make sure you follow Little Me Studio on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> so what? Is, so if there there are no dinosaur fossils found, we talked about some some bug fossils you might find here and there. Mm-hmm. What are some other fossils do you know of that have been found in the? So around here you can find. I have a list of it actually. So you can find limestone, pyrite, shale, clay, chert, jasper, mudstone, coal, coral fossils, and then we have trilobites, ammonoids, and worm burrows. So I actually have a picture of a trilobite. That's what I was talking about. Oh, wow. So it does look like a jacked-up horseshoe. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really cool. Yeah. So um, you can find trilobites, aminoids, and word burrows, and then coral fossils and reed fossils. What about marine life? Marine life. There have yeah. been some fish fossils found. I know in Iowa they found a really giant fish with the fish inside of it. So the fish died after it inhaled another fish, and it just— got compacted in the sediment and became a fossil like that. That's, so That's wild. Yeah, you can find <laughs> lots of fossils in limestone because it, it's made out of compacted sand. So anything that died in that sand is probably still there. So it takes its shape very well then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would, considering it's soft. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Okay. What else is there that's fascinating about studying the dirt and the rocks and the sand. So actually, at Rock Creek Gorge, there is a clay sink. Uh, so a sink is basically a cavity that is just filled with something. So it's, it was a cavity that got filled with clay. And this sink is actually a groundwater spring. So it has fresh groundwater that you can drink out of. And I actually collected a whole entire mason jar out of it. And then back in the Iron Age, somebody put a iron spigot in one of these clay sinks, and that's where they got their drinking water from. And it's also believed that the Paleo-Indians used these clay sinks to make their pottery and their weapons and stuff. There's probably been other springs like this discovered in the area? Oh, or, definitely, yeah. yeah. But these, these springs, they can die out because the groundwater got plugged or the clay sink filled with more clay and it just wasn't able to break through anymore so that's when it water always has an output so it always creates a new output yeah okay and the waterfall at rock creek gorge actually migrates waterfalls move <laughs> yeah i mean right obviously right yeah <laughs> yeah but the physical location of the oh, waterfall it, the physical lo- oh the i physical see what you're saying location yeah it moves so it was actually 0.75 miles up uh downstream from where it is today so how does it how does it move? It's over? called um, from a process called down cutting. So water always needs an output, and the elevation of the Kankakee River is much lower than that of Rock Creek Gorge. So what it's trying to do is down cut, trying to make itself level with the river, so that way it has an easier outflow. So in order to do this, it erodes the rock underneath it and has plunges. So at the bottom of the waterfall, you can see two deep plunges that are at least eight feet deep. And that's from the water eroding and weathering the limestone bedrock that's underneath it. And and this erosion allows it to migrate up north every couple thousand years. So, I mean, obviously, we can't even see how, yeah. how it's moving. <laughs> it's literally moving so slow. 
we won't be able to see it in our lifetime, no. Yeah. But it's ma- it's traveled 0.75 miles in the last 12,000 years. Okay. Well, okay. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Slowly yeah. but surely. Yeah, it's getting it's get- there. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting there. What else have you found from studying the geology here in the Kankakee area? Just a bunch of limestone. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, must be why there's a town called Limestone. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah, shout out to our intern, uh, Colin. He lives in Limestone. So. Oh. <laughs> so fascinating place. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm very fascinated by all this. Believe me, that's really cool. Thank so you. yeah, you've got well almost a, just a year left. Yeah, I actually graduate May of 2024. Okay. Yeah. And but also on the side of that though, you're looking to help people find uh, water resources, right? Yes, because we're running out of our fresh drinking water sources. Reservoirs are running out. The one in, I believe it's in New Mexico, is almost completely gone. And compared to five years ago when it was completely full, it's just crazy to think that we're running out of that much water, but nobody realizes it. We just use water and we think, oh, they're just going to purify it again and we'll be able to drink it again, but that's not the case. How many times can you purify water just once? Yeah, basically just once, but it, it takes more water to purify water than it does to just pick up wastewater. And so, like, if you've got a gallon of dirt, let's just say dirty water or mm-hmm. contaminated water, you're only going to get what half? Probably of, like a, a quarter of a it. quarter. Yeah. Wow. So not even a half yeah. or three quarters. I mean, unless you do it with boiling it and cloth cheesecloth basically you're still going to get a little bit of dirty water yeah so but it takes a lot of water to power the machines in order to purify the water and limestone is actually the quarry that we have with aqua of illinois they use a limestone quarry that was filled in they use that to purify the water because you can use limestone to do that yes it's a filtration rock okay so yeah. it still serves so many purposes. <laughs> yes. Limestone, it may look boring, but it's yeah. actually extremely fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's very fascinating. I mean, it, it does beautify the area as well, though, but it's nice to know that it serves more of a purpose mm-hmm. than, you know, I had no idea limestone did that. One of my favorite things about limestone is that when you take hydrochloric acid, which is also muriatic acid, it completely dissolves it. Like it just eats it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I guess that kind of branches off, obviously, specifically talking about geology in Kankakee, but how does one find new water resources? We have to drill down. and um, So they're called borehole logs. So we have to drill down every so feet and drill down deeper and deeper every of all of these feet to find these reservoirs. Because underneath our ground, there's water reservoirs. And actually... In Brazil, they have a town where their well, you can see where the well first started to where it is compared to day, and it's like 18 feet high. So there's that big of a difference from the last 100 years that they've used this well, and it's drying out the well underneath their feet, and their town is literally sinking underneath them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just because there's nothing holding up. Holding up the city anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of the water is draining, so all of the bedrock is sinking as well. I had no idea that was a thing either. Yeah. Wells run out, and when they run out, we start to sink. Because mm-hmm. water, it needs to go somewhere, but if it's taking out, being yeah. taken out, there's nothing left to fill in there. Mm-hmm. And I imagine there's got to be there's some type of tools that you use to see if there's a reservoir. Yeah. Under, so you know, like, okay, we are going to try to dig here, or, you know, to know if it's even worth it. 
to mm-hmm. try and dig there. Yeah, it takes a lot of research and a lot of digging and drilling. A lot of drilling. Okay. I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose of finding new water because it takes water to drill to find oh, water. Well, of course it does. <laughs> yeah, right? Because you got to keep the, the drill running cool. And, and, yeah. Because yeah. don't you usually, you're pouring water on the... The stone. The stone or the drill bit, however that works to keep yeah. it cool because it gets really hot. Yeah, you'll break your drill bits real fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So do you, is that something that you're getting trained to do too? Or? I'm, I'm hoping. So my school doesn't offer a hydrogeology class, but they offer um, extension classes with other colleges. So I'm trying to get in contact with one of these colleges to like be like, hey, let me take a hydrogeology class because I like really want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would imagine this day and age there's some other ways or new ways being research right now to get water, whether instead of doing it the old fashioned way, like drilling, what are some other? Hydrogeology is actually extremely new science. There's not that many hydrogeologists out there. Um, It first began in Portland, Oregon, and I think it was about maybe a decade ago, or not a decade, sorry, a hundred years ago. Okay. (laughs) That's not a decade. That's (laughs) a century. That's a century, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It started in the late 1800s, I believe. That's when hydrogeology was discovered. So since then, we haven't had, I mean, we've had a lot of technology advances, but not in the geosciences field. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Well, Abigail, this has this has been a pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for you having for, me. Yeah. Thanks for giving us a little rundown on uh, the geology of Kankakee. And Veronica, I've, I didn't forget you. <laughs> we got to talk about the upcoming events at the Kankakee County Museum. There's always something going on. Is uh, the book club for kids is still going on, yes. right? That continues. It is. Um, through April. Yes. Yeah, so... You've got, it's just one more session then? Or is, yes. yeah. Yep. Okay. So, yes, we have a lot of exciting <laughs> things happening. The French Heritage Museum opens on Saturday, April 1st. We did change our hours this year to 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And to celebrate the opening day on the 1st, we have Brewhead's Espresso joining us oh, from man. 10 to 12. That's some good coffee. I've yes. had that so at uh, Oktoberfest. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, coming up on the 22nd, we have our last of the season um, children's book club. Um, we figured... January through April was a good time because kids aren't outside running around. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the last chance for this year, but it's been going great. So join us for that if you've got a kid interested in the Dear America book series. And then also on the 22nd, we have a postcard making 101 class with local author Melanie Holmes. And you can register for that on our website, KankakeeCountyMuseum.com. And then we have an exciting month in May as well. We are celebrating Victory in Europe Day (laughs) this year at the French Heritage Museum on Saturday, May 13th at 1230. Um, One of our volunteers and historians, uh, Max Michaels, is providing a presentation um, based on his family's experiences during World War II. Is May 13th the actual day? Um, no, too? I want to say it's an, it's the 8th or 9th. Okay. But it's earlier in the week, which we're not open. So. Right. Obviously. I was just curious. I yeah. um, was just thinking about that. Yeah. Myself. We yeah. tried to, you know, oh, you, you tried put to it be, around uh, the yeah. date. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. And so we're excited about that. I personally love studying World War II. So. I know. That's one of your favorites. Yes. So that's, I've always I'm enjoyed that, too. And, and there's a lot of World War II 
uh, mem- uh, well, not memorabilia. I shouldn't say that. Artifacts. Yes. Excuse me. Memorabilia. In fact, we just <laughs> put more on display in the museum. Oh, that's um, exciting. So come check it out. Yeah, we've been we've been adding things to our exhibit space. So sweet. Always something new to see. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And then, of course, our annual Rhubarb Festival is Sunday, May 21st from 10 to 4. Woo-hoo. And, yes, <laughs> we're very excited because this year we've got a great entertainment lineup. And at 1030, an organization called the Rolling Thunder is joining us to celebrate three Vietnam soldiers who were missing in action from this area. And they'll be, we'll be dedicating a part of our post-World War II exhibit to those three gentlemen. So... That will be exciting, too. So it'll be an extra special year. Are you going to have... Abigail, that's what you did last year. I think you were one of the reenactors. Yes, and I'll be reenacting again again. as Suzanne Small. Okay. I was trying to remember if it was one of the Smalls or someone else. I should have figured it was one of the Smalls since it's on the Smalls' uh, former property. So we've got the Smalls joining us, and we have Marms in the schoolhouse, so... Oh, yeah. Got some living history as well. Cool. And, yeah, there's the car show attached yes. with the— Yep, we yeah. started that last year. And then you did take, like, pre-orders for rhubarb We do, yes. Yeah, because yes. something I want to note is because those sell out really quickly. They do. So if you want to, like, Take advantage of the pre-order option, Yeah, because yes. then all you got to do is just— pick them up. You yep. don't have to worry about, oh, is there going to be any left by the time I get there? Yes. Because <laughs> exactly. every year you sell out, we right? We sell out every... by like noon every year. Yeah. Of, yeah. And then what? It opens at 10? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, People come very and they get it. Last year. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good pie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you can order ahead of time on our website. So. Is it Bennett Curtis doing the pies yes, again? Yes. Bennett okay. Curtis is awesome. Yes. They do the pies and they are also a vendor at the fair. So Yes. You reminded me too, we have a pie eating contest that oh, yeah. morning. we you, started last, last year. year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yes. This year we did add a small fee to it, but that's because we wanted the winner to receive a small prize. <laughs> did they didn't receive so anything last year? They received bragging rights and a, an, an apron. <laughs> okay. Okay. A Rhubarb Festival mm-hmm. apron. So... Uh, we we would like to add a, a more appealing prize. So. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Well, Veronica and Abigail, this was a lot of fun. And thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Thank, thank you for you. having us. That does it for this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Kankakee Podcast is proudly presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses, celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. You can learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Don't forget about the refurbished sale that Pewter Pros has going on until the end of this month in March. You can get $50 off any refurbished laptop or desktop in store. So take advantage of that. See them on Industrial Drive in Bradley. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Don Geisinger, Diana Crowley, Joseph Lamont, Bill Parakis of Meineke Car Care Center, Lori Krayoch, Karen Bishop, SLS Home Inspections, Seth and Mary Berkey, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenault, Dave Barron, Veronica Featherston, John Sullivan, Sue Hornung, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, 
Anderson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Dawn Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Kerry O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Barry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Nolan Bukowski, Natalie Flagel, Carl Earps, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. To become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com, then click on the patron tab. If you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode of the podcast. Additional editing to this episode was provided by our intern, Colin Furrow, and our theme song was written and performed by Lupe Carroll, recorded by Daniel Bishop. This river carries on.